Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips from RelationshipGPSProject.com. I only saw quickly on your um, Instagram, but you you seem to, you're, you're detailing your dating adventures. Yes. You want to talk about adventures. Adventures is after a long time of not being in the dating scene is jumping in feet first into online dating, like app dating, you know, Bumble, Tinder, and that kind of thing. And it's, it's the same as jumping into a pool of cold water because all of a sudden you're like, oh, guys send dick pics as hellos. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. Where's the book that advises that? Where's what now? Where's the book that advises sending a dick pic as your, as your, as your hello? I don't um, know if it's a Western thing or if this is like an international thing. Uh, I probably should find out at some point, but right now it's definitely a Western thing. Where it's like, you and know, is it not related to size? <laughs> well, it definitely isn't their best hello or their best foot forward. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> because sometimes... So there was one, there was one guy I actually said, Oh honey, I wouldn't send that. <laughs> Did you get a reply? Oh, he unmatched. <laughs> he unmatched. He was like, thank you. No, thanks. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be honest, why shouldn't I? Yeah, true. Getting really, everything out there. What's, I mean, clearly, clearly he has no, <laughs> no qualms putting everything out there. Um, but I mean, you know what? At some point I had to, cause at first I was a little offended, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's shocking when you haven't done this for a while mm. and, and, you know, you have theories and you kind of imagine how it would go. You know, you think you're going online, so you're widening the dating pool. And so your chances of meeting someone in business or someone who has similar passions, you imagine that that would be greater, right? Yeah. But it really also widens the pool <laughs> It really widens the pool for both spectrums. And I just, I just wasn't prepared um, and was a little offended at first, but I, I found my feet in some humor because I thought, you know, some of these guys are not taking this seriously. Why should I, hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's been, yeah, I have some, I have some interesting stories depending on, uh, depending on what you want to hear today. I have good in-person and like uh, dating. So like if you get a chance to go through my Instagram, you'll see my, my online adventure. Um, you know, people asking if I'm, if I'm down to, to meet up in various, various situations, which, you know, as a female, we know to make it pretty clear in our bios, you know, what we're interested in, what we're not. But a yeah. lot of guys just don't read a lot of, and it might be just Western men. I don't know. Just don't read. They just don't care. There's like, oh, she's got a pretty smile. Oh, she got big lips. Okay. And it's like, Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think there is that that kind of because it's online and you people will do things that they would never do to someone's face. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, like how many men would would go to a bar and and just unzip and hi. Right. Right. Um, and I've actually I've actually said that I I tried like the logic and the truth route a couple of times. And it was just pointless. Um, come to find out it's a numbers game. Like yeah. you said, like they would not go out in public and, and do this. I mean, they can't. 
So, I mean, I don't know why it's considered acceptable <laughs> online. I mean, cause it kind of is like, if, if, if I take that logic and that truth route of just saying, you know, Hey, if you approached me in a bar and did this, just so you know, you know, I'd kick you in the nuts. Um, and I get called words. I probably can't say on your podcast. Um, and I get called a prude and I get called an old lady because I'm out of touch and just, it's, it's kind of, again, it's just a shock. It's like jumping into a pool of cold water as far as what the attitude and what the perception of how this shit work is. Um, and I kind of felt, I thought the ball would be in my park as far as this is not normal. This is not the normal process of things, but for a lot of guys, it seems to be a numbers game. If they send this to enough people, yeah. Someone is going to say yes. Well, yeah, it's it's a bit like spam. It's it's the dating equivalent of spam, isn't it? It's just Yeah. It seems to be. It seems to be. Um I think I I think the the last guy that I took like that truth, that logic route of like, hey, you know, if you did this to me in a bar, you realize this wouldn't get great results. Um, and after he got done calling, cause I try to talk through this with some of them. Mostly I just take a humorous approach now. And those are the Snapchats. Uh, those are the uh, screenshots on my Instagram that you'll see. Um, but the, the, the ones that I attempt to talk through this, cause I don't, I don't get mad anymore. There, there's no point in getting mad, especially when you realize it's numbers game. But the last guy that I tried this logic approach of, you know, Hey, let's talk this through. He pointed out, this is a numbers game. He said, somebody, some girl is going to be desperate enough to say yes. And that's who I'm looking for. He said, I'm not looking for you. He said, you, you have too much going on for you to put up with someone like me. He said, I'm looking for that girl that's desperate enough and lonely enough and doesn't feel good about herself. And that is who I'm going to nail in a restaurant parking lot. That's a terrible. um... It was attitude just to, to just have I'm, I'm eventually if i if i talk to enough women there'll be someone low enough that will that will have me yep and i wish i would have screenshot that uh, i still cannot believe that i i didn't have the presence of mind i was so blown away by that by that honesty um and that perception of of this is how it's going to work and this is how i'm going to work it coming from him and i thought i remember thinking to myself this guy is really the one with the insecurity issues. This guy is really the one who is just doesn't feel good about himself. And this is all he thinks he's capable of. Yeah. And I don't know. There's some self-awareness in there. I, I love people, even if they're complete douchemagos, you know, like I, I realize there's for the, for the most part, I believe people are generally good. Even if they're presenting this, this facade that, you know, they just want to plow their way through, (laughs) through a line of people at the core. I don't think anybody actually wants to be like that. I really don't. Cause I've hit that point where, I mean, I've never, I've never plowed through a bunch of people, but I've hit the point where I've done things when I was really low, like, you know, like a couple years ago, I lost love of my life and I kind of started going down a path that I wasn't, I wasn't proud of. But, you know, you, you hit, you hit a point where you don't feel good about yourself. You don't feel good about life. You're, you're a little bit, you're kind of sleepwalking through. And so you do things that you wouldn't normally do if you felt alive. And I mean, I know I didn't. So I guess I, I kind of project that onto other people where I try to realize, I try to realize where they're coming from, even if it's inconveniencing me. (laughs) 
<laughs> these guys. Okay, the, you've you've kind of touched upon that's re- really where I'd like to go with with starting. So you were married. No, we were together on and off for about ten years. Um, okay. He talked about marriage a lot, but we we struggled. He we struggled with. Um, he had an addiction problem, um, uh, just a disease, really. That it was just this demon monkey that wouldn't. It just wouldn't let go of him. And yeah. even even his years clean, you know. And we would talk about the future and dream about the future. It just couldn't be a reality because even in his sober years, he was irritable because he was just, I mean, he could be, he could be clean for like two years at a time and he was still irritable and still wanting and that addiction was still just hanging over his head. And I I think that would make anybody irritable really. (laughs) You know, when you, you, you wake up every morning and you make that choice not to have it and it's still crawling into your head and crawling into your skin, you know, reminding you that, they're one, one choice away from feeling better in, in their minds. And so it was, I, I work, I work really hard to, to change the world around me and to change the community around me. And so it was to me at that time, it just didn't seem possible to commit to a life long process of rehabs and, and sober, irritable years and, and it was, it was completely selfish on my part. It really was. But we never, we never took that step because I just couldn't see a way to beat this and, and have a happy life, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think uh, a relationship is, is you need to have certain things. You need to have emotional foundations. You need to have um, certain qualities. You need to have certain skills and communication skills and relational skills. But all of that can be developed. It can be worked on. It can be... Um, Built, but I think the one thing that you can't ever um, rely on a relationship is if there isn't integrity from the other person. And when you have something like addiction, it, it's always going to mean something's bigger than than the person you're in a relationship with. And it's just something so powerful. Um, it's it's always really going to be difficult to relate to that. So there must have been a lot of struggles for you. Um, in that time it was it was somewhat of a a dream now looking back because you know there's some there's some days I think how did I I make it through those those years of you know visiting him in rehab how did we make it through those years of of fights and fiending and and um just this Rob it was just there's some days I would go back and do it all over again and then there's, there's other days I look back and I just, I don't know how we made it through some of the years that we did. Um, I, what's interesting though, like at the time, at the time of some of the relapses, I, I remember thinking like, I'm not going to do this again, you know? Um, and of course, of course, you know, I, I did it again for a decade. Um, but the last, the last year, the last year, um, I, I told him, you know, we're not, we're, we're not doing again, this again. And I mean it. And I, I remember putting my foot down and saying, you know, I'm, we're not doing the, I'm not doing the rehab thing again. I'm not, I'm not going to, to do this. You know, you come 
finding where I've moved to again and sweeping in my house and saying we're going to get married, you know, like I'm not doing this again and putting my foot down. And the last, the last time he called from rehab, I remember saying to myself, people are going to understand if I put my foot down. <clears throat> and that was my rationaliz rationalization for saying, I'm not going to visit you this time. Like this has to be different. I remember telling him that I can't, we cannot keep doing this. We can't. My life is on hold. Your life is on hold. You know, you're just waiting for the next, for the next time you can get, you can get a fix. And, and we are, we're stuck in this circle, in this cycle that we can't get out of. And both of our lives are on hold. And, and he was, he was so charismatic. He was, he was so like, people just kept giving him chance after chance because he had this personality that was, that was brighter than anything I could have dreamed for myself. So, I mean, he, he, if this monkey, if this demon would have let go of him, he would have changed the world. And, and I know that's what I work hard to do, but I look back at that moment and he, he ended up passing that, that November um, around Thanksgiving. And I, I look back at that moment. That's probably one of my greatest regrets is, is, is telling myself that, everybody else would understand and not, and not telling myself what I would understand, what I would accept if it came down to that being the last time I saw him or the last time I talked to him, which it was. And, um, I, I would, if I could, if I could go back and undo that moment, I would, I would be, I would inconvenience myself for sure over and over again. I just, I had this concept of, of what, I could okay to myself because other people would understand, you know, and other people would okay me putting my foot down for myself. But I had, I had the strength to manage that. I just, I just hold myself that I'd hit the finish line. And mm. ugh, I just, it's, I, I relive that moment so many times. I, I would, I would redo that. Oh, every, every, every time I think about it, I'm just, I'm just sick, but but, you know, at some point, I think we all hit that. We all hit that ceiling of what we tell ourselves we can, yeah. we can handle and what we're willing to accept in our lives. But I would, I would go back and change that for sure. So when you say that you, often people have this kind of thing. It's, it's not like they might, maybe they want to leave the relationship. Maybe they, they don't want to accept certain behavior or maybe they want to do something, but a lot of the times they have to justify it. Like I think that's what you were saying is that they have to feel, um, you know, they can justify it to themselves, but they have to feel that they have that story, um, to the other people. Um, and so it becomes that the relationship and how you behave in the relationship isn't just between the two of you, but it's also, what other people think. And so that sounds like something that played a big part in that relationship. It did because, because I worked so hard to be involved, like in my community and, and in building things around me, there were a lot of perspectives that I held high. There were a lot of thoughts and opinions and, and it wasn't private. Like the last couple of times that we, that we got back together after he got clean, we kept that pretty, pretty private because at that point our relationship, you know, was, was, had been so public. And I started feeling like there was a pressure on him that maybe was holding him back from, from making the choice to choose me, to choose me over, over this addiction. Um, 
And and I, I usually, I pride myself on not letting other people dictate, you know, what they think happiness should be for me or what, what my life should be or what success means for me. But I really, I really did let it affect me. And it, and I'm not saying it's their fault. It's not. I chose to let that play a factor in. But I, I remember feeling that pressure of, you know, what are people going to think if they know that we're together again? What are people going to think if he goes back to rehab again? You know, because that's not going to be quiet as much as he or I or his family, you know, would, would have hoped. Um, cause that's, this struggle is so, oh, it's so ugly. And, and he wasn't, you know, he was such a beautiful and his family is phenomenal. So for them to all have to go through this, this ugly struggle together, it was just, I just let people's opinions and perspectives of what was acceptable for my life um, weigh in too much. But again, it wasn't their fault. It was my choice. It was my choice to listen. And, and I think it was painful for everybody to watch because I do love people so hard and I love people so much. And we want good for people, right? Like we, we want them to have great lives. We want them, like when we see someone who's good and I think, I think that's per- the perception for, for my life because I love people hard and I love people with more than I have to give. And so understandably, people want good things for me. And I think this was, this whole thing was so hard and so painful for people to watch that they were louder, I think, than they would have been with somebody else because nobody expected it to end this way. None of us. I, re- I remember telling, I remember telling my love, he, he had called me, this was before the last rehab, and he was about to go back in. And I remember him telling me, um, first he texted, cause I sing first he texted and he told me, you know, he had met somebody and she could, and she could sing better than me. And he was, he was so excited cause she was my age. He was a little younger than me. I happen to enjoy, I happen to enjoy, um, younger guys. Um, and he, it switched really quickly when I told him honestly that I hoped he was happy like the main thing of anything else. I, I hope that he would be able to turn around one day and tell me, look what you let go. I, I could beat this. I could do this. You didn't, you didn't stick around with me to find out and I could do this. And when I told him that, you know, of course he didn't care about the girlfriend. He didn't care about the, the job and the things that he was trying to, trying to, you know, say, throw in my face. And, and it was just, you know, let's just get married again, but I was, I was honest. I was being real with him. I hoped all of us, all of us hoped that he would be able to say one day, I did this, I beat this, you know, that Robert, Robert Downey Jr. moment of coming completely out of that addiction and going on to do amazing things, which he was capable. He was, he was amazing. His family is amazing. He's, and none of us saw this coming. So I think people felt brave and I felt brave in making choices that, that seemed so final thinking that the end would be different, that it would be a moment of, you know, egg on my face and, and a moment of triumph where he would turn around and do amazing things. And, and then when it was just so irrevocably over, when, when I got that phone call from his sister, you know, I just, if all those, all those important opinions, all those, 
important perspectives that I, I weighed into that mix because I thought the story was going to end differently. Just nothing mattered. Nothing mattered the way I thought it would. I think that was, that was a huge reality, but the, the, the biggest one was that it was irrevocably over. It was over. It was done. There was no more story to tell. Mm. It was, it was life-changing. I mean, I lay, I laid on the floor of my bedroom, man. And I just, <laughs> most of the night, I just, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, that was, that was, that was hard. Um, cause like I said, I'd always prided myself on not accepting other people's opinions. And it was absolutely that moment of realizing that I, I had allowed that to come way in and affect, affect what me as a, as a, as a individual who gives more than she takes would have done that story. And, um, and there was nothing I could do to change, change anything at that point. Yeah. It's, I think anybody, anybody struggles with that because, you know, our family's opinions are important. The fact that someone cares for us, you know, more than they care about themselves. And we're working so hard to love somebody who loves themselves or loves this addiction more than they love you. Hmm. It's a vicious circle. So what would you like, what was the kind of, um, conflict with other people's opinions and what would you have done without having those opinions and in what way did it shade what you did oh that is that's a that's a hard question because um well on the one end i would have gone back i would have just screwed what what people were telling me was best for me which I, I felt that at the time, you know, I felt we've done this for a decade. How much longer can I do this? How much longer should I do this? How much should I allow this? And I was, I was listening to very honest and very well-meaning opinions because like I said, it was painful for people to watch me go through this over and over again. And we kept the last couple of times quiet because opinions were getting very bold, understandably, because I'm very bold when I see someone going through, um, not as much now. <laughs> not as bold now, but back then I was very bold about what I thought people should allow themselves to go through. So what would I do to go back and change it? Um, I would really give myself a reality check of how, how I think I can control things um, ending um, and remind myself that I have control over nothing. I, I'm not in control of, and, and if nothing, I should have been reminded that this had been a 10 year process so clearly I had no control over whether or not someone could love me over an addiction. Clearly I had no control over whether or not someone could stay clean or over this addiction that, that just kept pulling him back down over and over again. I would give myself a huge dose of reality and remind myself that I need to love people where they're at because I don't know what's going to happen. And I didn't have that reality check back then. Things were, up until that moment, like things were fantastic. I had, I had attempted to, like I said, I had ended things one final time. I had moved on with like a, a church, a local church leader. Um, I was doing really well as far as building my business. I had gone home full time. I'd been home full time for like two years at that point. Um, I, I owned a house. Like I was making a fantastic name and making great waves in the community. And 
I thought I had complete control over my life. And the reality was I was just enjoying a valley, a mountaintop experience, I guess, before I had a real dose of what I was actually in control of. And I think if I could go back and I could help other people realize like, you know, what are, what you're telling people like me in your life and what they're believing, come back to that reality check of you're not control of anything. You're not. Mm-hmm. Um, all you can do is take what's coming, coming to you and deal with it with grace and humor. You can be as smart as possible when it comes down to it. Loving people where they're at will leave you with fewer regrets than cutting somebody completely out or attempting to cut somebody off for a time frame. Because when something happens that you cannot control, you'll look back on that moment and it will, it will change your life more than making the choice to love that person where they are. And we think it's going to be the opposite. We think that that, that life-changing moment is going to make us go, oh, see, I'm so glad I chose this. I'm so glad that I listened to people and made this choice. And more often than not, we look back and we say, I wish I would have realized. I wish I would have just loved them where they were and, you know, protected myself. Absolutely. But I, I wish I wouldn't have just said, this is done. Um, I, I, I would absolutely remind people of that reality that you're going to look back and you're going to, you're going to regret that cut off more than you are just having some grace, having some humor and just being with that person in that moment while you can, while still preserving yourself. It is possible. It really is. We just get tired and we get exhausted and we convince ourselves that I don't have to deal with this. You're right. You don't, but for their sakes, for their sakes and for your peace of mind, just deal with it. Deal with it. Give yourself the space when you need the space, but don't, don't cut them off. No. Okay. So, so that's interesting because, um, now, I mean, I can understand if someone's going through, been through a relationship that's really difficult, they've been through those cycles of rehab and nothing seemed to work. And I can understand entirely your position and, um, that just seems healthy that you, you, you know, you're looking after yourself. Um, so, Which is what I thought. <laughs> yeah. So, but what, what you're saying is that, um, so, so to what extent and what level would you stay involved um, with him while he was doing that? Sure. Sure. So um, over that time frame, like I would take phone calls um, when it came from, from wherever he was at at that time, it could be late. It could be early. I, I don't regret taking those phone calls, especially looking back now. <clears throat> I don't re- regret taking those phone calls. I don't regret picking them up and, and taking them places to stay, you know, cause at that point when you're dealing with somebody who has, who is struggling with addiction, there comes a point where you, you can't allow them to stay with you anymore. Uh, and, and anybody who's, anybody who's listening will understand this. When you hit that point with somebody, they, they're just, for your safety, you have to draw the line of, of where they can stay, uh, where they can have access to your, to your stuff, to your mm. personal information. Um, but that, that, that is not, um, that is not drawing a, a line where you're cutting somebody off. That, that is self-preservation. That's coming back to, um, making sure that you and your family are, are safe. 
but you can absolutely call them a lift ride. Go, go get them yourself, which is what I did a lot. I would actually go, go get him. And I would take him where I knew he would be safe and warm. And, um, or I would just answer the phone and just listen. Um, sometimes uh, actually quite often I would just yell back at him because, you know, at that point you're tired and you're, you're upset. You're angry for the life that you lost. You're angry you're upset for what they're putting themselves and you through again, and you don't really have the presence of mind to have that grace and humor um, at all. Um, but I'm so glad for every phone call that I took. I'm, I'm angry about the ones that I didn't at the end. Um, I, I, hilariously enough, uh, I ended up blocking his number after, after, the last couple like rehab calls where I wouldn't come, I wouldn't come visit. And he, the last message he left me, which I saved was, it said, um, come up and kick it with Jesus. It's, it's literally, um, the last, you can see my Siamese going, by the way, she's, if you see the cat going around, she's just, she loves being around people. She's aggressively friendly. So forgive the cat tail if you see it. I'll say hi if I see her. Yeah. <laughs> She's gorgeous. She's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, part of me regrets not taking that phone call. Phone call. Part of me is glad because I have a voicemail from him that's so it so captures him and who he is and and who he he was personality wise. But I am I'm grateful for the lines that I drew for my safety and for the inconveniences that I put myself through. And maybe that's what it boils down to is drawing the line of what what is safe you know maybe you're not allowing them in your home maybe you're not allowing them to stay with you but you're you're that ear you're that ear at a distance you are that person that they could call no matter what happens you're the person who can make arrangements even if you are not able to physically be around for your peace of mind and for your safety there's still things you can do there's absolutely a lot of things you can you can do behind a safety net um, but we tell ourselves that we don't need to inconvenience ourselves anymore for our safety. But there is a, there is a difference between inconveniencing ourselves and, and self-preservation. Um, and there's so much at our hands technology-wise that we can do to stay in touch and be there for someone. Yeah, it's an inconvenience. Yeah, it might be hard on, on your family, but it's, it's a great conversation to have. It is a great thing to keep in mind that you're not in control of everything. And it is a great lesson, I think, for families to remember to love people where they're at because your family is going to be there eventually. I mean, you may not be in that particular situation where someone is dealing with addiction, but you're going to be in a situation where somebody's doing something that you don't like. And the temptation is to just cut them off and say, come back around when you're better. But if you really love somebody, if you really love somebody, then you got to put your money where your mouth is. And you can draw that line of self-preservation and be there for them when it inconveniences you. I, su I suppose that depends on your capacity and, and like how much you're hurting and, and you know, whether mm -hmm. it, sometimes it, because it's, it, it must have been difficult for you to have pull, pulled away. Um, Broke my and, heart. And there's Broke a time heart. when you're not able to, to be that person, to be there for them. Uh, yeah, there, there were, yeah, which I would, I would say there at the end is that that's what I, that's what I told myself was that I wasn't, I just wasn't able to be there. I just wasn't able to, 
because you know there were a couple of things especially at the end that I, I I would not vocalize today but there were a couple of things at the end that made me feel like I was no longer safe that yeah. um, this had come to an a head where I had to cut this off mm. um, but the reality was I was tired I was angry I was exhausted from this process and I allowed myself <clears throat> to get backed into a corner. I allowed the opinions of people around me to affirm that, uh, to affirm that I was backed into a corner I couldn't get out of. And I allowed myself to bow out because, because I was tired. But I'm telling you, man, I regret it. I, I mean, maybe people are lucky and, and, they get to continue to have that hope, you know, because someone is still alive. They get to continue to have that hope that things are going to turn out okay. But the chances, the chances, especially with addiction of, of that person surviving aren't, aren't as sure. They just aren't. So, I mean, I, I, I could understand somebody listening to this conversation and saying, you know, well, I deserve better. And you're right, you know, I did, and, and they do, you know, when you're going through this, but bottom line, either you're a good person or you're not. Either you meant it when you said you love them or you don't. And sometimes love means sacrifices and inconvenience, but love means loving yourself and keeping yourself safe. And even when you're exhausted, even when you're angry, go get some perspective, go rest up, go take that time for yourself, but don't forget about who you are and if you're saying you are a good person and you love them then show it you know be that person being tired shouldn't change the fact that you love somebody being exhausted shouldn't change the fact that you told somebody you would be there for them you know and I know that sounds so harsh but I honestly kind of feel like we're in a harsh reality with relationships in general today and I'm seeing this in online dating where a lot of things are easy a lot of things are easily gotten rid of. You can, you can easily unmatch somebody or swipe left. And that is not the reality of relationships. That's not how relationships work. Either you mean what you say or you don't. And that does mean inconvenience. It's some hard things that people are not going to understand. But at the end of the day, your peace of mind and your character and, and your who you are at the core is on the line. So if you compromise though, that's what you have to, if you compromise with that, that's what you have to live with yeah. right there. That's what you have to live with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think um, self-esteem is essentially the way that you live. Do you live with integrity? Because I fundamentally, when you look in the mirror, if you feel bad about yourself or, um, it's because you feel that you're not living up to the person that you want to be. Mm. And I think if you live with integrity and, and I think people have different, I, I, I don't think anyone can tell this is the right thing to do. This isn't the wrong thing to do. And I think, um, you know, in your situation, different people would handle it differently. And, and, and I think depending on the perspective that you've come from and the point of view and, and obviously because of the situation, you're going to have a different perspective than you had at the time when you were in the situation. And I think both can be right. Um, 
and it, it is just about what do you feel is the right thing to do do you do that but there's something you've touched on so it's two things i'm, I'm really interested in but the, the the thing that you've just touched on there is about you talked about how easy online dating is and how everything is just an app and it's just a swipe oh. and it's you know you've only got to download an app and, and start swiping and to hook up with someone. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Crazy. gosh. You know and what? Yet, <laughs> Go ahead. And yet in that time when everything is so easy, the fundamentals of what makes our life matter, the fundamentals of what we really care about are health, um, finances, relationships, you know, we're at a time when the food industry has made everything, you know, just to gratify our instant, you know, our instant gratification of our taste buds. We're at a time when dating and, and advertising has done the same. Um, credit cards and things have done the same to finance. But fundamentally, if we want to live our lives um, in the way that brings us what we really want, what really matters to us, it's about the thing, it's about the discipline to give up the, the chocolate now for the more nutritious thing that makes us healthy in the long run. It's about giving up buying the thing on credit card now and living within our means. And it's about, yes. um, it's about what we give in a relationship and it's about, you know, how much of us that we can give. That's, that's fundamentally what a relationship is. How much of, of myself do I give? How much, um, you know how honest can i be whereas and that's hard and it, it and and relationships are full of friction you know you you've spoken about some extreme challenges but there's challenges in every relationship and it's about how do you um live with that the person that you are do you do you um deal with that challenge or do you just go okay now i swipe someone else so um i think that's something really key that you've you've touched on and i'd like to get into some of your dating stories if you've got some time but what i'm <laughs> i'm really looking forward to them but what i'd what i'd really like to to talk about right right now i've been spending a lot of time um talking and helping people and, and writing about breakups mm. really where my i've i've just um created like a 30-day process of getting over a breakup um, I'm written a guide, so I'm really interested. So I know it wasn't exactly a breakup, but it was, it was, you know, but I think bereavement and a, a breakup is the same dynamic as you've lost the person and you've lost the relationship. So if it's okay and you feel okay to talk about that, I'd be really interested to learn, you know, any lessons from you and what the process was like. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. That is um, yes and no that this that um, bereavement and grief are, are similar to a breakup. You definitely go through some of the steps that are similar to a to a breakup because you know you've lost the life that you could have had. You lost that hope of of what you thought you were building. Um, what you spent your time on is gone that person that was investing and, and adjusting their life and making different priority choices, that person usually doesn't survive that breakup. So you, or bereavement. <clears throat> and so really I've found in order to sort of move on from either, you kind of have to evolve into somebody 
different or somebody you have to grow into somebody who is strong enough to handle what that last version of you just went through. Um, now I've been through a couple breakups, um, and this, this grieving was different. I was kind of a, I was kind of a zombie for a year. Um, I took like a loss in my business. I, I just, I had a hard time leaving the house. Really even taking a shower seemed, uh, out of the realm of, of what was possible effort-wise at that time. Um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a socialite, like I love events, I love creating them, I'm in a small community. So the possibilities of what you can create are huge here. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't have effort or the care for any of it. Um, and I think there's some parallels in that with breakups, um, but I just had never felt it quite on this, this scale before. Um, I would say, um, the process definitely involved just being at home and being sad at first, like uh, a heart heartbreak can be just as much physical as it is emotional, yeah. especially for women. And I don't think you may have to tell me if this is similar for men. I don't actually know. I mean, I like to think sometimes I have the thinking of a guy. I grew up with three brothers. Um, my parents didn't know what to do with a girl, so I did a lot of guy things. And, you know, we dealt with things in a lot of a, a very, a very um, male thinking uh, way. But I remember feeling that heartbreak. I, I physically didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to open my eyes. I didn't want to face the world because everybody else was going on like nothing had happened. And I, I was living every day with the reality that something absolutely soul shattering had happened. And I couldn't live with the fact that people around me, I felt like I couldn't live with the fact that people around me were living their lives as if they didn't care, as if it wasn't, it wasn't marking something that had happened. So there was like that sadness period. And then I was angry. I was angry for a significant, I would say probably a year and a half. I was just mad. And, and that's part of what pulled me out um, of that zombie period because I was, I was angry enough that I wanted to do something about, about this. Um, and so that drove me, that drove me out of the house a little bit. I, I have to say, um, and, and I think people, this is, this is the same with breakups. There's always that person in your life that is like driving by your house and like calling outside your windows or, or like breaking into your house. that's forcing you to get out. Um, that was my mom. My mom showed up at my house. Uh, I would say, um, right as we hit that year mark, maybe a little bit before, a little bit before the year mark of, of his passing. And she, I love clothes. I love fashion. Obviously I was living in my sweats and I was just living in bed. And uh, she showed up at my house and I hear someone outside going, buckle. And I was like, who is out of the house at my house? And there was my mom. She adopted five kids, by the way. She is, uh, she, she fostered and so she adopted five of her foster kids. Um, so she was outside. She had a couple, I don't even remember now. I was so out of it. Who all was with her? I think there was just a couple. And she's, she's dragged me out in my sweats. The kids got me out into the van and drove me to Buckle, which is a clothing store here in the U.S. that carries things like Rock Revival, Miss Me, BKE, that kind of thing, and bought me a new outfit. So I lived in those pants for about six months until they ripped holes in the thighs and the butt. 
Um, but it gave me, it gave me a really good reason to actually at least put clothes on there as I, as I processed my anger. Um, and about the same time, um, I, there was a gal who kept asking me to get into church, um, which I'm, I'm been most of my life, very religious. When this happened, I just stopped going. I, I, you know, the, the, the religious leader that I was with, um, left me after my love passed because he was embarrassed that I'd been with an addict for so long. So, um, I just had no interest in going anywhere, but there was a girlfriend who was really persistent. And now that I was putting on clothes and actually leaving the house, I think she kind of felt emboldened to like chase me down a little harder. So, um, she just didn't pay attention to my anger. She didn't let it bother her. Uh, and just was really persistent about, Hey, you should come to church. When I didn't respond to that, um, she reminded me that they had a grief share group there and she sick this other lady on me. And, uh, this other lady is like grandma age, really sweet. Like you can't be mean to her. You can't, I don't care how mad you are. She's like this little cute little white haired lady. And she was very gentle and very persistent. And I eventually went to the grief share group, which I didn't make it through. And, um, my love's mom um, reminded me that she had gone to this, which is another reason that I went, I think, like, hoping she could go with me this time. She'd gone before me. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't make it through the whole class. I just couldn't. I mean, I, I, it was like a eight week process and I just couldn't bring my, I wasn't ready to go through all of it, but it was enough that I got pulled back into that and music, which is really, that is what, um, kind of saves my, my mind and my soul again and again over the years. Um, and then that was when I hit a different part of the process was kind of reigniting passions and, and just focusing on myself, focusing on things that not only was I good at, but just made me happy, whether I was good at it or not, whether I was in a good place or not, it didn't matter because music didn't judge me. Music, I could come, I could come to the table of any stage and it didn't matter if I was angry, sad, sweats. I think that's how people feel about running sometimes. I don't. I hate running. Awful. Someone wants to, wants to mug me. I will not run. I will, I will stand there and whatever. But um, that's, that's what kind of what music did for me. And that was, that was the next stage that kind of blended with anger was just kind of digging back down into myself, um, realizing how long I'd been asleep is kind of what I call it. You know, I, I definitely slept walk for a while. Um, and coming back out of that and renewing who I knew I was and finding new parts of myself. So, you know, I was, I was experimenting with things that I'd never experimented with. I was doing things that I'd never done before because this was a new version of myself that I had never, um, I had never opened up to before, but I just felt like I, I cared less about what people thought. I cared less about what I thought I knew because I'd hit a point in my life where what I thought I knew was absolute crap and it, and it changed my life as a result. So is that kind of what you were looking for? Was that process yeah. I went through? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so essentially the, the, the first bit was feeling the emotion. Yeah. Um, and the music was the way that you felt. Cause I, I think you, the first thing you need to do is you need to be able to manage the, you need to feel the emotion, but you need to be able to get some control because otherwise you just get emotionally hijacked by it. And I Ooh, think that's a good word for it. 
Because mm, I think it just takes over it. And, and, but, and what it does is it tends to then take to... So in a less extreme example, say someone's broken up, they've, um, they're like, you know, and, and they've been dumped and it's like, well, you know, why did he dump me? Oh, no one will want me. And, and, mm. and so, you know, is, what's wrong with me? Um, I need to answer these questions. You know, what, what, what happened? Why doesn't he want me? Will anyone want me? And then it becomes like, no one will want me. And then it goes to the right extreme. I'm going to end up a, a, a sad old cat lady and, alone and are you reading my mind right now what's going on <laughs> and so when you let the emotions so you need to feel the emotions to move through them but when you let them run that's where they're going to take you they're going to take you to the most extreme most frightening thoughts and so you need to have some way of soothing the emotion but you so there's two parts so there's the emotions of what you're going to feel but then there's also the actual details of what you need to do. And so I think music was the way that you, you found that you were able to soothe and manage your emotions. Absolutely. And anger is so key. Anger is, is, is because when you feel despair and you feel like there's no hope, you, you're not going to do anything and you're going to be in that zombie state. But when you, and I, so like I've got a, a section in my, in my thing that you have to use anger. You have to use that anger not to stay in it, but, but anger will give you the energy and then you mm. can move on. And then, and then it is a process of, you know, becoming the new you and getting stronger and, and you have to like your whole perspective and beliefs have all been shattered, like everything, your whole future. And I think this is the problem with a breakup is like, you saw your future tied up with this person. Suddenly that person's gone, your future's gone. And it's like, it's, it's that shock. It's, is kind of like a post-traumatic stress disorder. And and so what you need to do is you need to bit by bit piece together, become the new you, build a new vision. And then it's like putting the legs in, in, in place for, you know, that, that new you to come and create that and live that new future. And then as you do that, um, gradually, you know, it's going to have less of a, of a pull in you and a gradually you're, you're going to be that new person and, and it's going to feel like some, something that happened in your past. I'm ready to get to the point where it feels like something that happened in my past. <laughs> um, but you're so right about the anger driving, driving action and driving that evolution of old you into new you. I remember part of how I got rid of a good chunk of that anger because like, like I said, I dealt with it for like a, a year and a half. I was just so, angry but I, I I got to the point where I couldn't I couldn't handle that level of, of anger just coursing through yeah. me all the time and I ended up I ended up I let it drive me I fasted for 30 days Wow. I was I was I was living with this level of lividity I was just I mean I was and so by the end of that 30 days my anger had pretty much spent itself. Mm. Um, and I, I realized there was another piece to evolving into somebody different. And that was um, really taking a look at what I was doing to myself as a result of this grief and what I was doing to myself as a result of this anger. Um, and there was a good, there was a really good actionable, actionable piece at the, at the end of that um, where 
I was able to let go of that anger as I realized just how far I let it drive me. I mean, 30 days without food mm. is. I'm on a, I'm on a five day fast. So, uh, weeks, but 30 days just seems incredible. I was that angry. Yeah. <laughs> I was that mad. Um, five day fast. So yeah. Do you do it for like that self-care as well? Or are you kind of chewing over something in your mind that you need some peace? I'm just curious. No. Um, well, um, to be honest, it's uh, health. Um, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Um, I've, I, I give up like chocolate cakes and things at, at uh, New Year. Um, and it's been a real struggle, actually. Um, and so it's, it's getting back in that balance. It's also um, health-wise, um, both my parents have Alzheimer's. Um, um, and so it's, uh, um, for the immunity and for the, the, the health benefits with that, um, my sister's um, uh, just gone through treatment for cancer. So it's, you know, and fasting is, 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 um, is good for those, both of those. So it's also like making sure that I'm okay, that, um, preventing anything from coming. Um, the fact of getting over the, 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 the chocolate and the cake binging and, um, yeah. And, it, and it's a bit of a challenge as well. So, so yeah, that's my. Bless your heart. Um, well, I admire you because I, I realized at the end of my fast, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people that can, you know, um, deny their cravings, their, their addictions, if you will, um, that long. So that's, you know what, that's, that's amazing. Five days is significant. I remember day three being one of the worst day three. I was like, Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got to like day three before and you just start craving like fish and chips. And, yeah. Ribs and all chips. And, so. Yeah. Yeah. Day, day three was like that for me and day, uh, day 17. Day 17 was that way for me for some reason. Yeah, it was really good. I was really good for like two weeks in between and all of a sudden it just like, hit me fresh. Uh, but I think I was just running out of steam anger-wise. So yeah. I think... <laughs> I think um, at that point, you know, some of the reality of what I, what I sort of missed uh, was, was coming back, but thankfully it wasn't, it wasn't too, it wasn't too good. Um, it wasn't too bad. I should say it was just one of those yeah. things where I was like, ah, oh, I really, I really missed Chipotle. <laughs> it is, it's, it is, it's like you said that, um, um, like the, the loss of bereavement and that is a physical pain or a breakup is a physical pain. And also the food cravings and things and, and people think, oh, I, you know, I, I couldn't give up food because I'd be too hungry, but actually it's, it's mostly like the sugar talk and it's mostly um, it's more psychological. What I've noticed from fasting is um, the craving to eat is a lot of the time because you're doing something that you don't want to do or, or it's, you know, it's hard work or you're bored and you just want, a distraction and a lot of mm. food cravings is that. So I'm just going to add in now uh, to this, to this uh, get over a breakup thing, a 30 day fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you're mad enough, if you're mad enough, do it. Cause you're going to feel like you have control over something. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you will eventually run out of steam and it'll make it easier to let go. 
Yeah. Um, and that was probably the coolest, the coolest part. You know what? I was, I was planning on going until I had like this sign, um, to stop. And my sign actually was in music, the, the church that I'd gotten pulled into, um, that didn't hardly know me big church ended up pulling me into their music team just to do like backgrounds vocals at first. Um, and this was, this was during the 30 days. The, the day that I broke the fast was that Sunday, they asked me to sing my first solo. And there was no reason they should have asked me to do a solo that quick. They are a large church. There are many people who want to, who want to participate and have solos and they just don't have time to have everybody lead a song, right? You know, you're talking about a church of, you know, seven, 800 people. Like they, it would just be unfair to give, you know, not have somebody go through the process for some reason, and I took this as my sign, they asked me without, and the, the worship leader was from another state, but he didn't know who I was. Like I'm, I'm known in our area for music. I'm known in our area for singing, but because this guy was from a different state, he had no idea who he was, who I was. He had no idea what I could do. And apparently just still led to have me sing this song. Um, and again, keep in mind, I'm new to the church, you know? Um, and uh, he asked me to sing my favorite worship song that I had not been able to do at the church, the church that I'd been at for like eight years. Um, and uh, I remember getting the request and I was like, this is not a sign. I'm gonna keep going with my fast. This is not a sign. I got, I got the request like two weeks into my fast. Uh, but I was, again, I was still like plowing through this anger. And uh, I get to that Sunday and I, I just, I just let it go. I let it go through music. I opened my mouth and I just let it all come out because the lyrics of the song are incredible. It is absolutely just about, about letting go and just being, you know, being who you are um, in, in the face of like a higher power, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call them, a higher power and, and who made you and who, and what that relationship is. And um, it was so powerful that the pastor came running on the stage or people, you know, they were just in tears in the audience. Cause I think people could see my raw pain, my raw, my raw, like the, my, my just letting go. I think that was so transparent. Um, and that was when I broke the fast and it was, it was awesome to hit that moment in, in a passion in something of, you know, who I was at the core to have that reminder that this is who I am. I am not the embodiment of anchor, even though that is who I have been. This is the best part of who I am. I am, I am allowed to hurt. I'm allowed to grieve, but, um, I need to let go and just be who I was created to be in this moment. You know, this, this is, this is who I truly am. This is what I need to focus on. And it was, it was awesome to let go of who I had been for the last year and a half and just move forward with who I, who I was made to be. Hmm. okay so so you came out of the fast and then the new Ooh. year and, and then i hit the ground running <laughs> so tell me about about so this was like first time in 10 years dating and say that again so this was like the first time in 10 years dating and and i, I guess dating apps and things were were yeah try it yeah, the first time trying trying like online um, online dating like this because like in between in between our breaking up, you know, I would I would attempt to date, but it was it was we would always come back to each other because you know he was 
he was a, he was made for me and I was definitely made for him. Um, you know, we, we both would try it, but it was nothing like, it, it was nothing like, like trying like online app dating was so different than what we tried, you know, now and again during those 10 years. And, um, so I made, it's, it's really funny, um, because I made, um, a Bumble profile and I tried Tinder, not realizing really what Tinder was supposed to be for. I guess that's what everybody tells me. I personally think it's what you use it for, but whatever. <laughs> um, but coming into the dating world after not really dating for so long, man, that was a shock because like, I'm really intentional about what I want. I'm pretty transparent. I lay it out there. It's not like I'm surprising anybody with the fact that, you know, what I'm looking for. And I remember having a little bit of hope and thinking, okay, you know, I'm done with this part of my life. I'm ready. I'm ready to try meeting people. I'm not sure how much care I have in me for like, you know, to think about future, future, but you know, let's, let's dive in and let's, let's date a little bit. Cause that could change, you know, so much has changed already for me. So this, this feeling could change if I met the right person. What I got instead was a plethora of messages like, um, am I down to, um, am I DTF? Am I a MILF? Am I, am I, oh gosh, what are some of the things? You know what? You, you really got to go through, got to go through um, my Instagram, because the things you get asked, the pictures you get, you get pictures. I, I had one guy, I had one guy though, who, um, swiped, swiped on me and we started chatting and for some reason he changed his tone like five messages in and he said, you know what, you're, you're old and you're weird looking and I don't really get into that. Or he said something along those lines. I remember screenshotting it before he unmatched me because I was speechless. I have a pretty good sense of humor. You know, if somebody asks me if I'm down to, if I'm DTF, you know, my response is, you know, down to the floor, down for the fun bus. I mean, like, what, what are we going with here? Or I, I had, um, you know, or I have a lot of Harry Potter answers. If you send me something crazy, I'm probably going to respond with something Harry Potter um, or Star Wars. Because at the time, my worship leader was um, really heartbroken at the latest Star Wars. I mean, he was like almost incapacitated, heartbroken at the latest Star Wars. <laughs> so that became, that became a running joke that I threw into my, my answers with things. Um, <clears throat> I'm fighting a cat butt right now, by the way. She's moving over. She's trying to put it in my face and I'm trying to save you guys that. Um, but there was, there was that one guy that just, it was just weird and it was mean and I don't really know why. So I ended up screenshotting it before he, before he un, unmatched me. Hmm. Um, I couldn't, I didn't have time to respond, which normally I did. Um, and I put it up on my Instagram and Bumble saw it because it was on Bumble that it happened. And I'd been screenshotting things for a little while. Bumble saw it and they messaged me, which I thought was sweet, but I, I thought, you know, surely this is a joke, you know, like there's no way they're going to out of, I mean, I can't be the only person that's screenshotting the horrible things people say. And, um, they say, yeah, we just want your address. We just want to, you know, we just want to encourage you. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. You can encourage me anytime, you know, send me a, send me an international man while you're at it, you know, stand the hunt for me. <laughs> and, uh, they sent me flowers. Um, I got this package. I'd forgotten about it. I got this passage, like a uh, package, like the following week. So I did a video unboxing and they sent me a gorgeous bouquet of, of flowers, um, yellow. Cause that's Bumble's colors. It yeah. was just, it was so, 
I don't know. It was just so sweet and encouraging. And it kind of surprised me that, that one of the large dating apps would even take notice. So anyway, um, I, I just, and I want to tell you a couple of the, a couple of messages that I had. Um, I, I get things like this guy said, I'm going to be real honest, the things I do with you. And I said, like, bring me breakfast in bed and clean the house. <laughs> um, or there was a guy that said, do you want to have some fun on video chat? And I said, by fun, I'm going to assume you mean talk about the new Star Wars movie and the writing differences, right? And he just was like, uh, <laughs> like he wasn't super impressed with that. Um, but I had another guy who messaged and said, you know, where you live? And I was like, Okay, so I named the town that I lived in. He said, I was going to see if you um, want to hook up later. And I said, by hook up, you mean sit around with hot chocolate and talk about the new Star Wars and how it crippled my worship pastor? Yeah, I'm not down. And, and he just goes, nah, and, blo and like blocked me. <laughs> um, I, have a, I have a guy that said, um, uh, he asked me if I wanted to hook up. And I said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not I, don't, I don't hook up. And he goes, oh, he said, you mean you're a virgin, right? And I was like, if you mean I'd rather hang with friends talking about how just how bad the moment was when Leah, when uh, Leah willed herself back to the ship instead of being some random's pump and dump. Yes, I'm a person. I'm a person. I'm a person. And so it's just, you know, like, I just have fun with it. Um, yeah. Actually getting to the dates has been a challenge. Um, there's not, there's, yeah, you think with online dating that the pool would be that much wider of people that you actually make it on a date with, but most a significant number of guys, even if you are really intentional with your bio, a significant number of guys really just want to meet you in a Wendy's parking lot and never talk to you again, hmm. which I, I refuse to do. I absolutely refuse. Listen, like I am not, I am not spending all this time working on the community and building events and, and, you know, teaching, teaching women how to start their own businesses to meet some random guy in a Wendy's parking lot for like two minutes. Let's be really honest for two minutes and then leave again. Like what in the, this is not dating. This is Lisa's yeah. not what, this is not what I spent like 10 years enjoying of, of dating. Cause you know, for all the, for all the lows in our relationship, there were, there were some, like he, he knew, he knew me and he knew like, you know, how to really wow me. And, and I'm, I'm a little spoiled, you know, having mm -hmm. somebody, you know, love mm -hmm. me like that. But I have gotten on a few dates, which are freaking hilarious. Did you know, did you know that when a person um, goes to prison for uh, beating somebody to death in a bar fight, that they are not in, they, they don't always go to prison for like 10, 20, 30 years. You know that? Because I found that out on a date. That, that, that makes for an awkward first date. Oh, this was an awkward first date. So, so get this. Okay. So I, again, I love to sing. Uh, I meet a lot of people through music here in the area. And there was this one guy who, and don't judge me. I, I have a tougher time going on dates with guys who are shorter than me. And I'm five, three. Okay. I just, I struggle with a little bit, you know, it's something I'm working through because I realize that's no reflection on their character, but I do struggle. So there was this one guy who is um, really super persistent about trying to get me to go out with them every time we ran into each other out of music. And um, I finally kind of broke down because I thought, you know, what am I doing? Like, I need to be, I need to be open-minded. I need to not let this stop me from going out with somebody. Just, you know, it just has, it's, it's nothing to do with their character. It's nothing to do with whether or not they treat me well. So I finally agreed, gave him my number. He was super excited. He told me to 
text him uh, my address. I spent a couple more days just chit-chatting over text just to make sure that I felt, you know, comfortable with that. And so I sent him my, my address and he came and picked me up, which I thought was really sweet. So he wanted to take me dancing. And again, that's something here over on the Western, Western world, like we struggle with that over here, man. There are not a lot of guys that, enjoy, that are comfortable enough in their masculinity to go dancing. Yeah. So I love to dance. I love to dance. So, you know, the first man that wants to take me dancing, man, I'm, a, I'm really going to consider putting you on that pedestal. Um, and so he offered to take me dancing. So he picks me up. We're on our way talking. And he was talking about how um, he had just come to the area. And I was like, oh, yeah, where have you been? I said, you know, I can't believe I'd never seen you before music. And I know most musicians in the area. And he goes, oh, well, I just got out of prison. And I... <laughs> I remember kind of hesitating and I thought that's, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of unusual, but I, I'm, I'm on this open-minded track. You know, I want to be understanding. And so I said, Oh no kidding. <laughs> I said, was this like a bunch of unpaid parking tickets? And he goes, Oh no, no, they sent you to jail for that. This was prison. I was like, okay, we're not making this <laughs> at all. And, and I said, well, what did, you know, was it a misunderstanding where you were unfairly put in there? And he goes, he goes, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of. He's like, they put me away for beating a guy to death. Keep in mind, this is a, this is a short, this is a, this is a short man. This is a small man. And I thought, he's got to be yanking my chain right now. Like, this cannot be real. This man is casually talking about how he beat someone to death in a bar fight, it turns out. And he, I, I don't remember. I'm sure he told me what the fight was over. I don't remember. I remember, like, hitting this fog of, like, I am in a truck with a guy who beat someone to death over I don't can't hear what and I have at that time we didn't have you know all we had were like cabs in the area it's not like we had them on you know on speed dial or anything we didn't have Lyft or Uber mm. yet in our in our area because yeah. we're a small community and I thought I'm stuck I'm stuck until he takes me home so we get to the place like 15 minutes go by and I'm sorry but I pulled the fake in a headache thing. and um he was like he was really understanding he said oh yeah I totally understand let's, which should have been my first clue. That should have been my first clue. He was really understanding because very few men are understanding when they take the time to, to try to woo you instead of just going straight for the dick pic. And he gets me back into the truck. We're headed towards home. I'm relieved. I'm thinking this, this is going to be done. You know, I have time to process now instead of just, I have no way out. And he blows past my streets. And I was like, hey, you passed my street. You know, I'm, I live back there. And he goes, I know. And I was like, well, you know, you can, you can hit this street. And we blew past that. And we hit a red light. And he blew through a red light. And he said, do you know where there's, like, um, a good, like, country road? Is there, like, a off-the-beaten-path road? And, I, <laughs> man, I sat in that car, and I thought, this is it. This is how I die. People are finally, because I think people think I'm crazy for the online dating thing. Well, we're in a small community, so everybody thinks you're crazy when you do things out of the box. Hmm. But people kind of think I'm crazy anybody, anyway with taking these chances that I do. And um, I, I racked my brain. I, I kept thinking there's like, you know, he's going to stop at some point. I can get out of the car. He wasn't stopping. Like we were blowing through stop and it was, it was later at night. So we were and there was nobody or small town. There was nobody around to pull them over. At least it seemed like at that time. So I, I remember my mom has a couple of country roads. My mom's kind of like, 
And so I finally, after a couple of minutes, I just said, you know, I know of one, keep going down this road. I thought once he stops the car, I can run to my mom. So I'll just kick off my heels, carry them. I've got my purse and I'll just run to my mom's and it'll be fine. So he stops, he finally stops. He pulls over on this road. He doesn't know it. He's two blocks from my mom's house. Still a run for somebody like me who doesn't like to run, but I was going to, you know, if it's, if it's dying or running, I suppose I'll choose running. So I had my shoes off at that point. It was dark. He couldn't see. I had my shoes off at that point. I wrapped my purse around my arm. When he stopped the vehicle, I kicked open the door and I took off for the back because the, the road that I needed to go right to my mom's was behind us. So I started running. And I hear, I hear his door open. I kept going. And all of a sudden I hear music blast. I mean, absolutely blast. I don't know what kind of system he had on that thing. All I know is it stopped me dead in my tracks because it was Rascal Flats, which um, he knew was my favorite bands. It was a song that I was singing and competing with at that time. I was, um, I was competing with I Melt uh, and uh, in, in our area and in our region. And it was, it was some song I think was, I don't even remember I don't remember, I don't remember what Rascal Flatts song it was now. That's terrible. Um, I just remember it. It absolutely stopped me in my tracks. I turned around and there he is standing in the middle of the road. And he's like, and he calls out because I'm, I'm far enough away. <laughs> and he calls out and he says, I'm going to teach you how to text So Sorry, I missed that last bit. He said he's going to teach me how to Texas two-step. Because uh. he was from Texas. And... I, I, thinking about the whole story ending in my mind, I thought, well, I guess if this is the night I'm going to die, this might be, might as well be how I go out. So I walked back, he Texas two step, and he took me home. Now, if it had been for the fact that he had gotten out of prison and not disclosed that, that probably would have been super sweet. Also, if it hadn't been for the fact that he blew through all the stoplights and the stop signs so that I couldn't get out of the car. It might have been sweet. It might have been. But all that combined made for a little bit of a heart attack of a night and, and me not calling him again. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But it is that kind of, that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, dating is really common for me right now. I feel like I had another guy who worked really hard to get my number and then ended up, we went out on a date um, and then we went to a house party and we went out and, uh, all of us ended up staying cause we don't, we don't drink and drive. And, it, um, I, I got up the next morning. I wasn't going to stay with him. You know, we like slept in separate, separate areas because I, you know, second date, I'm not going to do that. Come on. I'm, I'm old school. And I, I have to go wake up whoever's behind my vehicle. And it was the girl he was sleeping with. <laughs> so I had to get them both up in order for me to leave. Yeah, he actually, in order to get my number, he actually went to one of my girlfriends because I refused to give him my number because I felt like he's a player. So he went to one of my girlfriends and he was like, hey, I have a date with Amber and I lost her number. And my girlfriend was so excited because I, I rarely go out on dates. Mm. She was so excited, she gave him my number. So I kind of gave him props for that creativity. I like persistence personally. Um, but then, yeah, I had to wake him and the girl he was sleeping with up and that wasn't that girl it was like some other girl you'd gone out some other girl some other girl i didn't know that was at the party yeah so that was our second Did date he call again 
<laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because uh, clearly it didn't work. But he waited until it didn't work out with that girl. <laughs> and then I, I just, I just didn't answer. <laughs> but it's, you know what? It's really like I have so many stories like that. This is dating today. Hmm. I mean, it just, it's just impossible. I mean, it makes for hilarious stories. It's possible. Listen, my most, oh my goodness. Oh my God. Oh my, the most recent is this guy who came over. Um, I've known him for years and he really wanted to hang out. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe I'm being too much of a prude. He wanted to come over and he said, I was like, I'm old. I'm like, I'm hitting, I'm, I'm almost 40. So I, I hit this, uh, um, crick well, in my he, neck. He, he is, did you say? No, I didn't hit him. No. I hit like this crick in my neck sometimes just because I sleep wrong. Are you hitting yeah. that yet? Does yeah. that happen to you? Okay. All right. So I hit that and I was complaining about it um, on Facebook one day. He messaged me and he was like, you know, you never let me go out with you. You never let me take you out. Why don't you just let me at least come over and just work that out? And I was like, maybe I'm too much of a prude. You know, maybe I'm just being old. Maybe this is just how this generation talks and gets to know each other. Right. Okay. <laughs> so he comes over and he is like, yeah, he's like, I got a little bit of lotion. You know, I can, I can help with that. He said, I'm really good with the hands. I was like, okay, you're really good with your hands. That's fine with me. When he first put his hand on me, I, like there was this, there was this kind of shock because it was painful. And I thought like, what is going on? Because it was rubbing. It was, you ever had somebody give you an Indian rub? Like an Indian burn? Oh, oh yeah, that, yeah. That's what it felt like. And I, I was, I was, I, my mind was like, this man is insanely hot. He's done modeling in the past. You know, I've known him for a long time. How bad do I want to preserve his ego right now? Like, can I stand this? Or do I just burst this bubble of what he thinks is going to be a good date and just tell him that this is painful? And finally, I couldn't take the pain anymore. So I told him, I was like, dude, I was like, this hurts. Stop. What do you have on me? Do you know what that man brought? He freaking bought um, uh, scrub, uh, uh, bath scrub, salt scrub, sugar scrub. Oh my gosh. Sugar scrub is what he brought. He didn't bring lotion. He brought sugar scrub. And so he was rubbing it dry into my neck and into my shoulders. Um, so which when, you know? when you say sugar scrub, this is like what mechanics have to get oil and stuff off. Is that what I you don't mean? know. That's a good question. I don't know if they... Maybe they do. I, I know that mm. us as us as women, we use it to exfoliate. Okay, like yeah. it's it's rough enough. Yeah. Um, but if you if you put water on it, then of course it's water soluble, and the oils that are in it melt into your skin and that kind of thing, and the and the sugar dissolves. If you don't use water, it just exfoliates. Like it takes off the top layer of your skin, dude. So that is what I was trying to endure as I was trying to decide. Is this worth it? Is this worth the pain? Do I want to, do I want to hurt his ego here? So anyway, so I, then by that point, the mood was gone because he was like so embarrassed. So he just gets up and leaves. <laughs> so that, so that kind of gets, gets to a point. So, so obviously I'm talking about relationships to people all the time and, and some women are telling you about all the nightmare stories. <laughs> Um, and, and then, and then you've got men telling the exact, you know, from a completely different perspective. So, um, trying to get underneath. So you've got some really hilarious and, and interesting stories, <laughs> but underneath that, 
so what do you so i mean i i'm, I'm looking at i've got some opinions on it but what, what do you think are the problems that's you know what's driving this like you said online dating is so different to mm. developing a relationship or or that what do you think is uh, the factors driving that driving it being different mm. <sighs> i mean that that kind of weird and oh uh, yeah you know I think part of that is there is such an ease to, to swiping left or swiping right. There's an ease to um, not handling difficult, difficult topics or difficult conversations. And so we have this mindset that if we just swipe left, then we'll find somebody that we don't have to deal with it. You know, somebody that's just going to magically know what we like and magically know uh, the right things to say and the right places to take us and the right ways to to get us to be ourselves or get us to open up and the reality is it's not how relationships work right a relationship Mm -hmm. is an ongoing conversation and an ongoing an ongoing process of evolving into somebody that you aren't yet it's a ongoing process of compromise and communication and problem solving and humor and grace and how do you package that into online swipe left or swipe right Hmm. i mean can you can you swipe can you swipe left or right on morality yeah can you swipe left or right on someone who's financially making good choices i mean where's the give me the app for that yeah exactly (laughs) yeah i i think there is you know like it, it does seem like a sweetie shop. It's like a catalogue. You can have any man, any woman. Um, and people are going like, I, I want that and that and that, but I don't want any of the problems. And so it, it leads us to where we're picking on characteristics, physical ca- characteristics, which um, really are only really important about the first six months. After that, it's all about qualities and it's all about the unseen um, integrity and all those kind of things. So, yeah, it's there is a kind of mismatch between oh. the, and yet there's nowhere else really to go because, you know, if you, if you want to meet someone where the numbers are is online dating. It's Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's the hard thing. Yeah. If you want to widen. Okay. So if you have somebody like me who's really busy in the community really busy with volunteering, with being the change. Um, what are the odds that I'm going in, in a town of like 30,000 people where 200 of those are the ones, I mean, let's be realistic, two to 300 people are the ones that are really driving change in a small community, right? Because hmm. in a smaller community, it is easier to just be part of the results and not part of the, hmm. the process. And out of, out of that percentage, what are the odds that I'm going to meet in my current circles someone who enjoys business, somebody who enjoys enjoys media, someone who enjoys affecting change, someone who has time to stop their their busy process of changing the world and, and has time to hit all the circles that I might be in? And what are the odds that I have time to hit the circles that they're in? Yeah. You know? If I haven't met them up to now, it is because we're, we're changing the world in different ways. The, the, mm. At least the person that I would want to be with is probably is changing 
the world in their own way. And they're, they don't have time to diversify themselves enough, you know, to meet those right people. And neither do I, you know, cause I, cause if I, if I leave the circles that I'm in right now that I'm affecting change in, and that process will slow down and not as much change will happen. And, and, it, and it, so you looked online, somebody like, you know, somebody like me, we looked online because we tell ourselves, at least I'm telling myself, I can widen the circles. I can, I can poke my head into circles that I don't have time to actually join And Online is, is all the time, 24 hours, hmm. you know, that somebody could see who I am and what I'm about and what I'm looking for. And, and that it's maybe they're looking for the same thing. And instead, <laughs> instead you, you, you've widened the circles for people who are looking for that, you know, easy, easy time waster that, you know, you're another number in the, in the game. And, uh, it becomes this, just this uh, kind of vicious cycle. (laughs) Hmm. I I think it is, I think it is like online dating promises, um, and it is, you know, like I, I said before about the food industry um, temps, you know, with, with the sugary foods, um, financial industry with the credit cards um, and dating sites work on, on the easy. Um, and so I think, so I think you've got that. And I, I and I think it, it, it plays to the fact of, so for men there's there's the choice of going for the easy and going for uh, and then and there are men that are out there that looking you know for the same kind of thing and and looking for more but it's just a case of there's so much noise and so much, and it's about filtering i think there are dating is a, there is a specific skill set and you need to to kind of learn how to filter you need to learn how to yeah. attract the right people so um what what have you learned and what tips would you pass on, you know, so that someone doesn't have quite the, the same interesting stories that you. Great. Uh, learn the signs. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, there was a time where I actually did not know what Netflix and chill meant um, until I came right up to the reality <laughs> and had to kick somebody out of my house. Um, uh, learn the signs. If someone asks you what you're on here for, um, that's usually, I would say 90% of the time, that's them leading up to whether or not, um, to testing the waters as to whether or not they can ask you if you want to hook up in a Wendy's parking lot. Okay. That's, it's generally, that is a sign that they're just looking to hook up and they're trying to figure out if, if you're going to make them feel like crap over what they're about to ask. <laughs> hmm. So, you know, if you tell them you're looking for a long-term relationship um, then they'll typically unmatch or they'll typically, you know, call you a prude or, or what are you doing on here? And, and, you know, you both move on. Um, if, if you try to be cute about it and just say, oh, you know, you know, I'm looking for no pressure <laughs> and, and, and then they're like, oh, you know, well then they feel like they got permission to say, oh, well, I'm looking to, you know, hit it and quit it. And, and it's really bad. So learn the signs, uh, learn what the red light, the green lights are. And you can do that by, I'm, uh, you know, probably talking to somebody like you, Rob, right? Like, I mean, you said you've got this 30 day, 30 day process of working through breakups. I'm sure you've seen some of these red light, green lights as well, as far as, you know, what, what's the okay. Uh, keep in mind, like when someone, when someone messages something like, Hey, you know, with lots of whys in there, that's typically going to be somebody who's not really like, if you're, if you're somebody who's looking for something 
serious, you're typically looking at a, that's just not a good sign. Okay. It's not a good sign. So I would say learning the signs is a really good first step for not ending up in my shoes. Um, Being really clear in your bio. You may think that you are just leaving the, the door open for that person who might who might surprise you and might look like they're a, um, you know, a bad boy who really just wants a good girl. But the reality is um, you're leaving the door open for a lot more messages that you don't want and a lot more matches that are going to feel like you're trying to hoodwick them. You know, now keep in mind, you can't change anybody. So be really specific about what you want. You don't want to change somebody. You know, you want somebody that you can appreciate for who they are and where they're at. You want somebody to do the same for you. So be really clear about who you are and be really clear about what you want. And yeah, you're going to still have some people that swipe anyway, cause you cute. Um, but you can filter them out really quick, you know, depending on what they send you first. And if they ask you what you're looking for and, um, by, um, usually, Oh, listen, the, the other, the other sign is that they ask for your snap. I realize this is really, this is, this is really confusing because in a catfish world, we all want to know who we're talking to. Right, and that's way too easy to get catfished. So I thought at first, if someone asked for a Snapchat right away, I thought that was a good sign. I thought, hey, like they're real. No, do you know what that means when they ask for a Snapchat so early? Oh my goodness, it means you're about to get video or pictures, and it ain't of their face. Because it arises. Yeah. It's just, it's, oh my goodness. Yeah. So if they, if they, if they ask for that right away, you know, that's another sign. Just, you know, try to talk to them longer if they're not interested in talking and they just want your, you know, your Snapchat or your Instagram right away without even talking to you. That's not who you want to talk to. Moving. Mm-hmm. Keep moving. Otherwise, I'm, if you want to see what happens when you put it off, watch, look at my Instagram. You'll see, you'll see how that conversation goes. Cause I have a few, I have a few Snapchats that I, I entertained the conversation into Snapchat. I think you realized it was, uh, it was just more of the same. They just, it's basically like I was giving permission at that point. If I gave them my Snapchat, I was basically in their mind, I was giving them permission to send me video and, and, and that kind of thing. And so it was mm. just you know, super discouraging because someone like me, you know, I want to know who I'm talking to. I'm, I'm, I'm living in a very real, like reality based world of, you know, what's possible and what's not. And I want to know who I'm talking to because I'm, I'm super social and like aggressively friendly and, and they're just really aggressively friendly about their dick. <laughs> I'm very open. <laughs> very, they're very open. They're, they're, I want to say open-minded, but they're really just very open. about <laughs> So yeah, um, so I would say there's some really good, really good tips. Wow, this is just getting dirtier as I go. I'm really not sure that there's a good way to get out of this conversation. There's some really good tidbits. Wow, that's not, okay. <laughs> that's some really, ah, I, I, there's no getting out I'm of just this. Gonna let you, I'm just going to let you hang yourself. Oh my goodness, Lord help me. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, you, so you've mentioned your, your Instagram. Is there anywhere else where people can find you and, and, and see more yes. about me. Yes. So you can keep up with me on my Facebook. If you, uh, it's going to be a little difficult. I think I'm actually at my, my friends max on Facebook. Um, so Instagram is probably going to be the best place to follow me. It's passion for life. And that's L Y F E. And my name is Amber and B Y R. 
and rules like the flower. Um, but yeah, you, I think you might be able to follow me on Facebook. I don't think you'll be able to add, I don't think you'll be able to send a friend request. I don't believe. Okay. So it's um, a personal profile. Yes. Yeah. It's just my personal, but you can uh, follow me on, on Instagram and I think Twitter. I, uh, every once in a while I'll upload, I'll upload some of those to, to Twitter, but for the most part, those dating, those dating horror screenshots, those Tinder fails will be on, will be on Instagram. And then once in a while I'll tell more of the story on like my personal Facebook. Um, but I, I am, I am looking to, I, I'm telling some of those stories on a, on a podcast uh, right now, but I, it, it's just more fun to actually talk to, talk to other people like you about, you know, the dating world and what, and what it kind of looks like for someone, someone my age right now than it is to get on and talk to myself on a podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, well, thank you for, for sharing some of your stories. Absolutely. Um, and I'll put, I'll put your contact details below, um, wherever this is, wherever I can. Yes. Um, Follow me and see, see what will, not to do. <laughs> well, I will do. Um, is just before we go, is there any other stories that we've missed that you would like to share or? Oh my gosh. Um, you know what? I, I would like to share just one about, about my love before we go. Um, I don't, I don't want, I don't want anybody to think that it was, it was all bad. Like he brought me a lot of, a lot of joy. He really did. Um, and the, the lows were just as, the lows were just as low as the highs were high, <laughs> which I think anybody, anybody will deal with. Um, when you, when you love somebody that is going through that kind of hell and he was going through hell. So, you know, I don't want anybody to think that, that it was, it was all a, um, a nightmare. Um, but I, I would say this, this, this man, this man was uh, one of the things that I, I loved about him and that I think I have a hard time transitioning back into the dating world over. And I think people will deal with this when they come out of a long-term relationship, you have these things in your head of how things are supposed to work and how, you know, how you're supposed to be loved. And even, even, even though he couldn't, he was unable to choose me over, um, this addiction. There were a lot of times that he, he loved me so fiercely that it is really hard to fathom somebody else loving me that hard. Um, but probably one of my favorite stories from him though, is when he kept trying to get into the dating world. Um, it usually ended up with him meeting people who could just drop him off at my house. So probably my favorite was one night he had gone out and he'd gone out to a karaoke bar. He tried to meet, tried to meet these girls. So he had two girls that were very interested in getting him back to their place. And he talked them into going to, I think he told them they were going to a house party with him. And when they realized that they were at my house, at his ex-girlfriend's house, who he'd been talking about that night, he had actually talking about me that night. They, they, the looks on their faces, cause I came out, I was, I was asleep when they're banging on my door at two o'clock in the morning. And I, I came downstairs and he's standing there. He's super excited to be at my house. How he found out where I lived, I don't know at that time. I don't, I do not know. But that man was like a, a bloodhound. Like he could figure out wherever I had gone to. I was just, I realized I sound stalkerish, but at that time for as much history as we had, it was just par for the course for as much history as we had. But anyway, you should have seen the looks on these girls' faces as they stood there thinking they were coming into a house party to have some kind of fun with, with him. And the realization that hit their face and drained out of their faces 
as they turned their happy butts around, walked back to the car and drove off. And he's just standing there like, Hey, Hey, I'm here. And I was like, Oh my God. Like you realize you just shattered those women's month rates. Like they thought they hit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was just funny. Anyway. So I, I don't want anybody to think that it was all, you know, it was all terrible stories. It was, I mean, it was definitely a challenge, but mm-hmm. he gave me some of the funniest stories that I still run into people today that will tell me when they ran into him, like he just changed lives. Even in the worst times of his life, he just changed, he changed lives with the kind of stories that we, we get to tell years later. So I just don't want anybody to think that he was this terrible person. He wasn't, he just, he was fighting a demon he couldn't beat. Yeah, and there's sometimes people who have the, the biggest lows also have the highest highs and oh yeah, live more vividly. Yeah. Oh, but those poor girls. I'm sure they tell that story for years. I am sure I am part of one of their worst dating stories. <laughs> All right. Thank you so okay. much for having me on. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for coming on and, and for sharing all your stories and, <laughs> and experiences. Thank you. That's been great. I appreciate it. Okay. Have a great day. You too.